Thank you for joining Locked on Yankees, your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. On today's show, I am joined by Derek Helling, who's the lead writer for Play USA, which is a gambling affiliation site. And we're going to be discussing the lockout because there's a lot to discuss. Why there's a lockout, what you need to know about the lockout, what's the difference between a strike and a lockout, because some of you don't realize the difference. And we're going to give you things to know. It's going to be a good show. All next. Unlocked on Yankees. You are Locked on Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Monday. It's January 24th. We're almost in February and spring training is going to start soon. Just kidding. It's not going to start soon. (laughs) It's not going to. I know that the owners, uh, no, the players will be submitting something today, I believe, right, is what is supposed to happen. Their counter offer to what the owners did. It's a slow process. I know it's not going to be, they're not going to like it. So it's going to be, yeah, no, spring training is not starting on time, people. Just understand that but don't think that it's going to last until you know some people have these doomsday scenarios where they're saying oh you know baseball's not going to start till june and i hope that's not the case but you know you never know with these guys so as i said i'm joined by derek helling we're going to be talking about the lockout and all that stuff uh but first you can listen to us in apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, odyssey spotify stitcher you can watch us on youtube we hit babe ruth's home run number last week. Very excited in subscribers. And you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Yankees. And I swear it works. The uh, smart device with the girl's name that we have in our house, it, it, it does. It works well. So Derek, thank you for joining me on this sunny Monday morning here in New York, which is nice. Uh, you know, there was, there was a time there was like a week where it, the, the sun did not come out and it was just a miserable, dreary, you know, January winter and there's snow on the ground and the temperature keeps swinging from the 30s to the, you know, teens. And it's just, this is the time of year where you want baseball back. You know, it's that dead period where you're dreaming about it. And here we are waiting. So let's tell everyone the difference between a lockout and a strike, because there is a difference. What happened in 94 is different than what's happening. Yes, there's a huge difference. Yeah. First off, I want to say that I feel like we need to play some seal because I've been put by S. Rose on this podcast. And um, and there is so much that I, as a man, can tell you so much I can say about the difference between a lockout and a strike. Um, so a lockout is literally what the word suggests. It's the people who own the means of production, in this case, the facilities and the training staff and the coaching staffs um, mocking out workers from being able to do their jobs. Um, is when those workers choose to not perform that labor despite the option to do so. Um, so it's, it's all about a difference in who initiated the work stoppage. And right now, MLB is in a lockout, not a strike, meaning owners initiated this work stoppage, not the players. 
And we all saw this coming. We knew it was coming because of the CBA expiring. But I feel as if the back and forth during 2020 with all the COVID stuff was a preview of what's happening now. And with the way they were going back and forth with all that stuff, it just made me realize that we were going to be in trouble (laughs) at the end of 2021 into 2022. And that's kind of how it's playing out right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, just the way that the last couple of CBAs have been structured and then the way that team members have um, conducted themselves under those terms meant that that players were going to have to be more aggressive in this next round of negotiations because if they weren't, things were going to continue to deteriorate for them. and so, I mean, we've seen that with the owners go ahead, going ahead and locking players out well before spring training come, had come around. And, and right now, um, it's it's just kind of a legal thing where your players wouldn't be at work right now anyways. But here in a few weeks, that might change. So we'll see. Right. I mean, guys, don't worry, people. Guys are working out. I'm constantly seeing Instagram videos of guys who are going to other facilities because, you know, you can go to any gym and work out and they're all doing what they normally do to prepare for the season. Um, A lot of them are being smart about this because I feel like some of them, there are some guys where 2020 kind of screwed with them a bit. And I don't know if they didn't work out the same way during that time when spring training stopped and the season didn't resume till the end of July. And I feel like some of those guys learned their lesson this time. And we're like, you know what? Let's start doing our normal routine, getting ready for spring training. Because years ago, I did a, um, I did a video with MLB at the beginning of uh, spring training last year about spring training. And years ago, guys would literally show up to spring training, maybe 10, 15, 20 pounds out of weight and use the six weeks of spring training to get in shape, yeah. where now guys maybe two days after the uh, the off-season starts, you know, depending on, mm-hmm. or maybe two days after the World Series ends, and the guys who were eliminated early, the guys who didn't make the playoffs, maybe give themselves like a month kind of to recover or whatever, and then they start working out in November. I just saw a cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Derek has the yeah. same problem as me. I had to lock my cats yeah. out of the room. Um, yeah, then, yeah, and unfortunately, because I live in a studio, so... <laughs> Here they are. (laughs) (laughs) We have a cameo from Cats and it's not in my house where I have 10 of them. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I just, it's not, like I said at the top, it's not the same as 94. By 94, there had been Mm -hmm. a few work stoppages and it was the players that time that made everything stop because they went on strike. This is the owner's doing what they're doing and i just god it's it shouldn't have happened the way it happened i don't think um but like i said and even david cohen he was on the show last year and he said that to be aware that it's probably going to there would probably be a lockout because of Mm -hmm. like i said earlier with the way 2020 was there was just so much contention and I don't know. Yeah. I just, I, I feel like there's a lot more bitterness now. It's even... kind of a preemptive thing. Yeah. And I feel it's like a it's a preemptive thing because if you lock them out, they can't strike. Right. Right. 
That's true too. <laughs> and that takes away that card. Yeah. That they that they could play. So yeah. yeah. Ugh, I just like I said, we're in the doldrums of winter. This is the time where you're thinking, okay, we only have a few weeks till spring training starts. At least, you know, you get so excited because especially if you live in the northern part of the country and you're surrounded by snow, you're surrounded by dead leaves and you see the guys, even when you see them just practicing on the field. They don't even have to be doing anything. You just see them in their uniforms. They're taking pictures. They're on green grass. They're in warm weather. And you think to yourself, oh, my God, baseball's starting soon. And we're not going to have yeah. that. Um, that's just depressing to me. And uh, we were talking about players working out and training and doing all yeah. that stuff. Because the origins of spring training, let me just quickly say this, was basically a detox for all the drunk guys in the 1800s in the early days of playing baseball these guys were normal guys who had other jobs during the winter some of them happened to be bartenders some of them like to be at bars all winter and one of the owners decided i gotta detox these guys and get them ready for the baseball season and that's how spring training started which i find to be hilarious and the evolution of spring training being a detox to basically being just practice for most of these guys because like i said they're all ready usually when they get to spring training by a lot. So yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting evolution of the game. So speaking of working out, it's the new year. I know we're 20 days in, well, 24 days in, but if you're still working on your resolutions and it's about getting fit or getting healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Honestly, it's even better than a candy bar. I'm not lying. And I've told people this all the time. I had someone send me a message on Facebook saying he ordered them because I can't stop gushing about how good they are and he likes them as much as I do. So if you want to eat healthy, but it gets boring, you ask yourself, where's the chocolate? Well, Built Bar is covered in 100% chocolate. Most of them contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Now compare that to a candy bar, 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. If you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. They have plenty of flavors. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, my favorite, mint brownie. Talk about it all the time. And Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So go to Built.com. Oh, excuse me. Built. Yes, Built.com. <laughs> Often to see what's new. So go to Built.com. Use our promo code LOCK15 and get... 15% off your order. Again, mint brownie is fantastic. So go to built.com, use our promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off at built.com. Thanks again for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. So let's talk about how the current economic situation of Major League Baseball screws the players over. <laughs> <laughs> because there's a lot of you see it i see it on twitter i see it on facebook there are a lot of people who talk about how greedy the players are and those same people never talk about how greedy the owners are and i feel like there's a big discrepancy in that and i find it very interesting but let's talk about the whole economics of how everything's working yeah um well there's a few components to how the past few cbas have favored owners um, some of it was baked in. Some of it was just in how the owners decided to kind of game the system. Um, but the basically 
weathered, I guess, nature or nurture in that regard. It was mostly designed to keep players as a collective from gaining the biggest share possible of the revenue that they could. And in this, it's important to look at it as a piece of the pie rather than what individual players are making. Yes, there are the Garrett Coles and the Mike Trouts of the world who are making tens of million dollars a year. But what we're talking about isn't what them as players are making themselves. It's the overall share of all baseball revenues that the players as a group receive revenues that team owners keep. So in previous systems, players would reach free agency after six or in some cases seven years of service time. During that time, they, are, they were playing for whatever the team felt like until they became arbitration eligible. Then they got paid whatever the arbiter decided was fair unless they negotiated a deal with the team to avoid arbitration. That team is the only one they, they could negotiate with, though, unless the team released them. Um, so there were several problems with that. Many players never reached free agency, so they never realized their actual value in the industry. Teams would intentionally manipulate service time to delay players' free agency. Teams would use the luxury tax as an excuse to deflate players' salaries. And all of the, what's all of that led to? The median salary, which for anyone who doesn't know what that term means, it means if you took all the salaries of all the baseball and put them on a kind of like a continuum, it would, the median salary would be the one that's exactly in the middle of, of that scale. Um, so the median salary of MLB players now is 18%. And it's 30% less than it was in 2015. So, and that's just one measurement of how things have gotten worse for players over the course of these deals. That's the other thing that happens. People, as you said, they always look to the big contracts and they don't think about the mm -hmm. hundreds of guys who don't have those big contracts and yeah. what they're making compared to what the owners are bringing in. I saw yeah. something... One of my friends posted in our, we have a Yankee Slack group and some of them are listening. Hi guys. And someone posted how in, I want to say it was 2005. It may have been 2007. The Yankees payroll was 207 million. And mm -hmm. uh, I think the average payroll of everyone else was like 73. And then the, within the last year or so, the Yankees' payroll was still around 207, and the rest of baseball, that average went up to 130. And the Yankees, I mean, obviously, they're not going to go up to like $500 million, but it's just interesting to see how the Yankees have gamed the system a little bit with the luxury tax. I mean, I can mm -hmm. say that about the Yankees, right? Because I'm a Yankee podcaster and I, I know what's going on i know some of the stuff in the cba helped hal out the last time um <laughs> and i just yeah. it's so frustrating for me to see people so against the players it's like these are the guys that bring you like i know the owners own the team but they're the guys who play the game for you why are you so against them yeah. making what they should make it doesn't make any sense to me no yeah. It doesn't, it makes zero sense and we can get more into that. Um, but uh, I think that 
it's a, it's just important for fans and people interested in the industry to see the players as a whole in this regard, as opposed to individuals. Um, because yeah, you talk about the Yankees payroll for a year being 200 plus million dollars. But I would imagine that it probably, if you looked at how much each player is making individually within that breakdown, you've got three or four players who are probably making 60, 70% of that 200 plus million. Right. And the rest of the roster is getting league minimum or just over it. Mm-hmm. And that's the issue. Right. Yeah. It's just uh, the amount of money though, when you think about it, um, I was looking at when Dave Winfield signed his huge contract in like 1981 and it was like, what was it? Like 10 years, 31 million. It was something, something like that. And when you think about that, you're like, wow, that's now that would be 10 years, 310 million, maybe Mm -hmm. even more than that. Um, And he would have been worth it. Dave Winfield was awesome for the Yankees in the eighties. He got a lot of, he got a lot of crap from people for being, you know, and Steinbrenner calling him Mr. May and all that nonsense but you know uh growing up in this house i was a mattingly person my brother was a winfield person because that's usually how it broke down for yankee fans in the 80s you either like don mattingly or you like dave winfield and yeah that's how it worked out um first game i ever went to first two games i ever went to it was a doubleheader against toronto and we were sitting in the first row of left field and dave winfield came over because he was going to play left field in the second game and my dad was talking to him an eight-year-old me was just staring like what like is my dad talking dave winfield right now like what (laughs) what is happening (laughs) my dad was that kind of person he didn't care who you were he didn't get you know he would see famous people all the time he fixed telephones in manhattan uh he fixed jackie onassis's Hmm. phone Cheryl Teagues, Hmm. big supermodel in the 80s uh she actually used to request my dad all the time which you know kind of questionable just kidding dad um you know but he was that type of person so he's talking to dave winfield and i'm thinking wow this is like the coolest thing ever but yeah and you looked at other contracts like guys would sign um you know like even like three years one point something million which is nothing now compared to you know what trevor bauer got from the dodgers and yeah that that worked out well for the dodgers um Now I'm trying, you know, we were joking before the show and I, I joke about this on the show that when I try to segue into my live reads, it's hard for me to do sometimes. Um, how about, shall we bet on when the season starts or no? I don't want to do that because I know I will be definitely wrong, but Bet Online would like to wish you a happy betting, new betting year as we continue our march through the playoffs and beyond and I NFL crazy weekend this weekend probably the best weekend in NFL ever every game was crazy especially last night's between the Chiefs and the Bills the overtime rules should be changed don't get me started anyway bet online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022 it's a new year they have a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today so receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit just use our promo code locked on to get started from football basketball hockey 
boxing and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Let's briefly talk about the football this weekend because I I root for the Giants. Yeah. They haven't done anything in a decade. I was watching last night's game between the Bills and the Chiefs and I nearly had a panic attack four times in the last like 2 minutes and I thought to myself, why do I feel like 13 seconds is enough for Patrick Mahomes to do something? I felt like they should have scored with four seconds left, not 13. And when that happened, I thought, oh, wow, the Chiefs are definitely winning this. Holy cow. Um, you know, the, I think the Bills defense was just exhausted by the end of the game. And they just, I, what are you going to do? I mean, wow. Just my mom and I were watching it together and yelling at every touchdown. You know, the two teams scored, what, 25 points? combined in the last two minutes of i think someone on twitter today said that they should play a seven game series i agree <laughs> although with football that would be yeah it'd be rough two that'd be two months of extra football that'd be kind of crazy um but cool i i think it would be kind of fun uh let's talk about oh okay so we kind of went into this but let's talk about this yes why should the fans side with the players in this battle there's a couple of simple premises in my mind. Um, one is that if your labor produces revenue, you should get a share of that revenue commensurate with the part your labor played in the production of that revenue. Something pretty simple that everybody can agree with. So as the players are the show, nothing happens without them. Nobody's paying to see your boy Hal make phone calls all day. They should be getting the lion's share. That has not been happening. Also, they are workers. Workers winning in one industry can have a positive effect on others. Yes. I promise everybody watching, listening, that with the average MLB player than you do with the average MLB team owner. Guarantee it. That's so true. I see... I think we, we've kind of mentioned that, but I see two main points of opposition. I guess the, the average fan seeing professional baseball players as brothers in arms, so to speak. Um, and first, they see a minimum salary of over half a million dollars. Obviously, a lot more than most people make in a full year, much less just a few months out of the year. And, and you lose perspective of the overall pie that we discussed earlier in that element of it. So, and full compensation of the money that your work has produced is not greed. That's justice. You not getting that is theft. Somebody stealing from you if they deny that to you. So if you're getting billions upon billions of dollars and you're only getting paid parts of millions, that's a skew. That's not right. So it's really just as simple as that. And then I think another obstacle that gets people is their own identifications as consumers and fans of the product. We've all heard the moronic and tired line that Max Scherzer's salary is the reason I'm paying $40 and $10 for a hot dog. 
It's stupid. It's flat out wrong. There's, there's research to show that player salaries have no correlation whatsoever with ticket prices in Major League Baseball. And so I would say to anybody who really thinks that a baseball team owner who slashes his, pay, his player payroll would pass those savings onto the consumer by correspondingly slashing concessions, merging tickets. I have some oceanfront property in Iowa I would love to gauge your interest in. Like, like get a hold of me on Twitter. I will take you on a tour of this land. <laughs> um, so owners charge those prices. You're still paying them while you're moaning about them. Right. If you right. stopped, they'd make things cheaper. Yeah. That's really all there is to it. They do it because they can. Yeah. I discussed that on a show last year with one of my former, um, former, what's the word? Oh my goodness, my brain's not working. She was a co-host, now she's not. She moved on to a different job. Uh, fellow co-host, that's it. Hello, it's Monday, sorry. Um, we were talking about how expensive it is to go to a game. Mm-hmm. When you factor in, like say it's a family of four and say yeah. you're going to a game, you're parking. You have the four tickets for everyone in the family. You have the concessions. You have, if your kids want something, <laughs> mm-hmm. they inevitably so want something, you know? Yeah. Um, or like sometimes you go to a game and you're not dressed correctly and you go to the team store and you want to try and buy a sweatshirt <laughs> and they're like $90. And you're thinking to yourself, am I going to freeze to death or am I going to spend $90 on a sweatshirt? Yeah. And I joked about it, but it's not that far off. It's, it's almost like some people really need to save money in order to go to one baseball game with their entire family the way that my family saved up money to go to Disney World in the 80s. <laughs> it's gotten mm-hmm. that bad. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. It's completely realistic. Yeah, and it is true because people, I, I feel like there are fans that blame the players for everything and they don't see how it's the owners. Yeah. It, and I don't understand, I don't understand it at all. I, you know, and these are people who have family members who are in unions. My dad was a union guy. He was in the um, communication workers uh, union, 1101. And, uh, you know, he was a big union guy. So he was always, you know, with the players. And I would assume he would be with them now if he were still here. And I just, I, I really, it, it boggles my mind sometimes when i see even when i see i don't want to call anyone out specifically but even when i see national writers carrying water more for the the owners than the players it just i don't i don't get it (laughs) yeah well i I think another part of why we see us out at players more is because there's a lot more reporting and sharing on what they're making versus how much money the owners are pocketing each yeah, year. That was, um, that was exposed. Uh, things yeah. would be a lot different. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, the, the owners always cry and pour and then refusing to open their books to prove it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, if, if you're so financially strapped, I would imagine that you would want to get an all information about how and why. Yeah. Um, so none of these, none of these, none of these owners, none of these owners are cash strapped. Uh, 
All of them no. can spend money. <laughs> even the small, even the small market billionaires can spend money, and it drives me crazy that they don't. And I, I say it all the time. I don't like how. Not that Hal isn't spending money. Obviously, he went after Garrett Cole, but the allocation of the money, like you said, there are like no. a few guys who are making a lot of money, and then a bunch of guys who are making a little amount of money. And I feel like the raise formula of not paying anyone anything, but still producing a good team is making yeah. all the other owners think, oh, we can do the same thing. And no, yeah. you can't. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's like how many things have to go exactly right yeah. for that to work out. And the odds of all those things playing out just the way you need them to are pretty slim. Yeah. I feel like the raise run is going to come to an end at some point like it's gonna have yeah. to level off and then kind of dip there but you know still hasn't well, produced I mean, a championship but you you do know that other owners are looking at examples them. Of, of teams not yeah well we also have concurrent examples of teams not spending oh the pirates yeah so it's yeah. not like, you know, hiring a bunch of players on the cheap, you're going to be guaranteed to win. They still have to be, you know, good. <laughs> right. And and they have to play well together. They have to stay. They've got to, I guess, not have all have a slump at the same time in the in the season. Um, yeah. You've got to have that not happening in the playoffs. So, I mean, like what we said, there's the number of things that you need to have go right at the same time is astronomical yeah mm -hmm. yeah and yeah the pirates thing um i talked about it with our pirates host because he's just he's resigned to the fact that the team's not going to be great for a while and you know they had that mini run in the 2010s because <laughs> we can say that now that we're into the 2020s where you thought, oh, you know, the Pirates can actually do yeah. something here, and yeah. it didn't happen. And the thing about the Rays is you don't have any guys who are longtime Rays anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no more Evan Longoria. Um, who's the uh, – there's the other one. I can't think of his name. That was with them for a while. Like, all these guys are only there for a little bit, and then they get traded away, and then – I don't know if they're growing them in a lab. I don't know how they do this, but they bring all these new guys in and they do well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think that, I mean, one of the things that I've, that I've talked to my friends about when you're growing up and you're a kid or a teenager and you look at people who hold executive positions for sports teams or you look at them and you, I guess, put them on a pedestal to some degree. And so many guys are geniuses and they're so smart and they're so successful that they're in these roles. Um, and then you start working in sports media and start covering these people and you find out that people who run baseball teams, football teams, whatever have you, they're just as big of idiots as the rest of us are. <laughs> and a lot of times, and a lot of times it's just dumb luck that's all it comes down to mm -hmm. just being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Right. So Derek, tell everyone where they can find you. All right. Um, as you see on the screen, I'm on Twitter at D Helling sports. That's really the only social media I do. And I don't have, and 
I'm going to be dead soon, so I don't have time for anything else. Um, the uh, And my writing is on playusa.com. Um, I cover the legal gambling industry there, a little bit of sports betting, what have you. And uh, I've also got a newsletter on which I cover these kind of issues, the labor issues in North American sport called the Night Circle of Helling. That's on Substack. You can find me there as well. And that's pretty much it. That's more than enough. That's more than anybody should be subjected to. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me today. We were uh, trying to come up with, there was one show that we were going to try and do and we couldn't do. And then when you suggested this, I thought the timing was perfect because of the players, you know, submitting their counter offer today. And we'll see how that goes for tomorrow. But for now, that's it for this episode of Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'd like to remind you that you can listen to this show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. And when you get into your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Bets. Now make your second listen of the day Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. One more thing, if you could be so kind, please rate the podcast and spread the word about this podcast to your fellow Yankee fans. We would really appreciate it. So enjoy your day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.